Well, Father Jonathan, Happy New Year. Happy New Year. First Sunday of Advent. Can you believe it? First Sunday of Advent, and I feel like every year we say the same thing, you know, Uh Happy New Year, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Blah, blah, blah. I will say something new this time that we have not said in years past. Happy new season of Homily Prep. (laughs) New season. We've been doing this for a while now. This is the beginning of season four. Since, and Since before we, we were priests. Since before we were deacons, I think. Maybe you yeah, were a deacon. I may, have, I may have been a de- I don't remember. Actually, anyway. I, do, I do remember. I do remember. I think that you were ordained a deacon in the midst of season one. Oh, yeah? Ooh, that's cool. Well, yeah. I trust our listener will go back and, and <laughs> verify <right>. that. Um, <laughs> and so, but no, congratulations on making it through three full years of the yeah. show. Um, we are doing nothing to commemorate that, and so <laughs> <laughs> we are know. starting over our lectionary cycle. <laughs> That's <laughs> right. To That's use right. the same readings. <laughs> Actually, so this is the first time we're repeating a set of readings. Then. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Welcome, welcome back to what is it? Year it's full circle. We're now so it would be interesting, C? actually, to go back and look at what we said about, well, yeah, whatever it is, yeah, about these readings. Years oh yeah. Ago. Yeah, totally. totally. I will not, Actually, but it would be cool. <laughs> yeah. Actually, hey, just a little bit of uh, of uh, feedback. Not feedback. What is it? Uh, recap from last time. Um, Follow up is that uh, I did check my... Actually, based off of what you just said, I did go back and listen to my homily from last year um, since I was already recording them and posting them to the YouTubes. And listening to it was good for helping me prepare my homily, but it also confirmed that uh, it is a different set of readings every year for uh-huh. the, the Feast of Christ the King. Um, yeah. And so actually last year's reading was the, I think it was the goat and the sheep reading at the end of Matthew. Hmm, that w- that was the Christ the King reading. So it was this very eschatological thing about yeah. like being a part of the kingdom of Christ, you know, who calls us to do the works of charity. Um, whereas this year it was this whole thing about Pilate, which I found a little bit less easy to preach on. Yeah, um, that is interesting. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I did get a chance to preach this morning and I felt really good about it, man. I, it was one of those where it was just like, you know what, just get on base and yeah, doesn't have to hit, hit a home run, but it also <laughs> didn't feel like I struck out, you know? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. You know, one of the things I was thinking about, this was due to a conversation that we had before dinner one night in, in the community talking about Jesus, uh, as the King, you know, it's, it's always this, f- this fascinating tension, right? Because you know, every time that Jesus was approached with something like kingship or power or authority, he withdrew and went mm. away. Yeah. And so, like, people want to say this is, you know, how dare we celebrate Christ the King? He, in his life, he he avoided it at all costs. But I think that's, in a sense, missing the point, you know? It's like, yeah, that is thinking about kingship as human beings think about kings and rulers and, yeah, that's and right. authority. Right. But when we speak of Christ the King, it's something way different than that. And I and I think we did touch on this last uh, last week. Is that it's not just this temporal ruler, but he's the one who gave everything for us and gave right. us life. Right. Right. Uh, and like that's huge. Well, frankly, I think it's it's actually part of the value of having the pilot reading as the gospel uh, for this feast was the the line, and I use this in my homily was that his kingdom is not of this world. Uh, yeah. And so the categories that we have for, you know, for kingship uh, are going to fail uh, because mm-hmm. his kingdom is a spiritual one and it's not of this world. Um, yeah. No, that's good. And I, and I think that's a really good thing that you just flagged a little bit is that 
a lot, and I, I did bring this up in my homily too, is that we don't have a good concept of kingship just because we only yeah. use we only use what we know. And so I even cited like Charlemagne and Arthur as sort of our images of kingship, and it's like that's insufficient because. Mm-hmm. And so then I ended up preaching about the Beatitudes. You know, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall see the kingdom of God. It's like the kingdom of God follows the law of the Beatitudes, and it's the yeah. law of peace. Hmm. Yeah, um, I like that. And so I, and this is coming a little bit from Ratzinger that I was reading uh, from a previous homily he gave back in 2009, that, you know, as a king, he is a legislator and his legislation is the Beatitudes. And those Beatitudes are for the sake of peace mm-hmm. and, you know, as the Prince of Peace. And just maybe the last thing I'll say about my homily today, all that stuff folded into um, what we did spend a little bit of time talking about last week, which was the, the institution of this feast. I went back and I actually read the encyclical that Pius XI wrote instituting this feast and it was, I'm really glad I did. And I imagine I'd probably do it again in the future because he made it very clear what you were saying that he said in his own words that this is a very unstable time and all of Mm -hmm. the crises and all of the atrocities of our time are because we have dislocated Christ from his proper place as our king. Um, And I was like, that's it. You just, that's, you just read that line and there yeah. you go. Like that's your Boom. homily right there. You Man, know. I'm really smart though, aren't I? I just came up with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, no, but that's good. That's really good. And I think it's a really good thing to, yeah. to maybe flag every year, you know? Absolutely. Um, you know, I will say though that it's interesting, the more I think about it, that pilot reading maybe does make a lot more sense than we give it credit for because you're having, you know, okay, he's not the emperor, he's not Caesar, but he is, he is standing in the place of... Of, right. of Caesar. Right. right. Uh, and so you've got the true king who is bound and shackled uh, being put up against this false king. You know, right. it, it's, this is, we're, we're going back to, to Moses and Pharaoh, right? Yeah. Like it, who, who is this battle really against? Yeah. It's not these people. It's that God will overtake and overcome everybody. Yeah. No, Everything. for sure. For sure. Hey, uh, so taking this this line of reasoning, and, and I think going back to what you like to talk about in the previous years that we've had this this transition to Advent, I really do feel, not just because the readings for this first Sunday of Advent are apocalyptic in nature, um, just like the, the last few Sundays of Ordinary Time, including Christ the King, but I also think that there is something to be said about how Christ the King goes directly into Advent because of the line from the Our Father. So it's, Thy kingdom come. So, mm, yeah. so it's like, come, O come, Emmanuel. But we pray every day with the, our Father that we want his kingship to arrive. We want it to yeah. be here. And so you can really move into Advent right in springboarding from Christ the King and saying, we pray every day for his kingdom to come, you know, and we recognize that blessed are the peacemakers for they shall inherit the kingdom of God. And it's like, well, the preparation for the, the coming of the Lord as King is precisely what we're doing in Advent. So it's a very beautiful, you know, transition. It's just, it's just natural. And I think honing in on the Our Father might be a beautiful way to do that, is that this is our constant petition, is that, it, that there is an advent of the kingdom of God. Yeah, yeah, no, I really like that. There's this sense of bringing in, you know, because so often we preach uh, to the scriptures and like it's its, its own little, little compartment, you know, the liturgy of the word shall never mix with the liturgy of the Eucharist. Right. And so I think there's a really beautiful bridge there that we could, that we, that you could, um, yeah, emphasize, let's say, yeah. um, yeah. that this isn't just, okay, let's do this. And then we're going to go do this. Like this all, this act of worship that we do every single week, um, is all encompassing. And t- I mean, to your point, like, w- you know, we're sitting there and we're praying and we're, we're, we're 
looking forward to that return of the king yeah. <laughs> as yeah. he as he approaches to be born, but also as he approaches um, in the eschaton. Sure, sure. Now, I will say, um, since it is the first Sunday of Advent, I do find, like, I did struggle today with our typical problem of preaching feast versus preaching readings, but I did find myself at least mentioning the readings tangentially, and I find <laughs> that maybe the first Sunday of Advent will be a similar problem for me, just because at least on the hmm. first Sunday of Advent, it seems like a really good time to set up the season and maybe even talk about this meta connection with Christ the King. And so, like, I, I found myself very under-inspired by these readings, and so the readings that we're having for the first Sunday, and so I'm, I'm finding myself drawn to just preaching, quote-unquote, the feast day, you know? Um, yeah, I don't know, because there's nothing really, like, in the first reading or the second one that really grabs me. Like, in the gospel... I am drawn by the word anxiety and the word vigilance, just because it's what we talk, talked about, uh, not this past week with Christ the King, but the previous week with, you know, Christian hope is vigilance without anxiety. And so how mm-hmm. Advent is that season of hope. Um, so those words, because this reading was basically the same one as we had two weeks ago. So I have that in mind. I don't know about you. Yeah. These readings speak to you in any way? I mean, I think that you can do both in a sense. Um you know, so, okay, this is a kind of a weird gospel reading to begin with. Uh, there will be signs in the sun, the moon, and the stars. Are we doing astrology again? Mm. Uh, you know, people will die of fright in anticipation of what's coming. Powers of heaven will be shaken. Like, this is pretty gnarly stuff. Right. Um, and I think it's an opportunity for us to to maybe be a calming voice <laughs> uh, to say, look, this is hap- this is going to happen like there is nowhere in the gospel where jesus says hey just sit back and relax things are going to be fine um and the coming of uh, uh of his birth is no different right this is like one of the events uh and so i think there is a sense of that vigilance that we have to be prepared right and to be able to see when all of these crazy things are happening like to be able to see that star, that that is guiding us, even though everything else is in chaos. Right, um, right. That there is a a, a shining light, uh, a, a lamp set apart. Right, right. Um, and I would say that, you know, when you when we look to the epistles, you know, I think this is something that is is emphasized many, many times. Like, how do you do that? And I think that's what I love about this these second readings. A lot of the time, St. Paul is being very concrete. It's like, okay... How do you do that with all the chaos around us? Well, may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all, just as we have for you. Mm. It's like there's a communal aspect there that we have to pay attention to, uh, to love your neighbor as yourself, right? We talked about this a couple of weeks ago with the greatest commandment. Um, Like if we're not looking through the lens of that, then yeah, we're going to get caught off guard by every little thing or big thing that comes up. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Does that make sense, or is yeah, that rambly? No, no, no. I think I, I, as you were talking, I was, I was underlining in the second reading the emphasis that Saint Paul places on conduct. Um, mm-hmm. You know, conduct yourselves in a manner pleasing yeah. to God. You know, um, and that kind of gets to your point of the practicality that Saint Paul gives as an antidote to the chaos. You know, that ensues in our surroundings as you know, even at the end time chaos, but even the chaos of our own existence and the chaos of our own world. You know the conduct yourselves in a manner pleasing to the Lord is the antidote to that. Like finding the advent yeah. of the Lord as, as that which orients my entire existence, all of my life, you know, conducted in such a way 
you know, so as to ple- be pleasing to the Lord. And that will be, that will be your peace. God will be mm-hmm. in your life as peace, as that guiding star in the midst of chaos, in the midst of turmoil, if we conduct ourselves according to his will. Um, yeah. Now, I'd hate to just completely allegorize, you know, and met, like turn it all into a metaphor. It's like the end times is just a metaphor for, you know, sort of like, like, like Jordan Peterson is the back of my mind of like everything is is an archetype, uh-huh. you know, like all yeah. of this apocalyptic, like a, a, apocalyptic language is just a metaphor for disorder in our lives. And we need to find, you know, good ethics to find order. It's like, well, no, Jesus is also speaking about something real that there will be chaos, you know, at the end, mm-hmm. end of, at the end times, like there is yeah. that unsettling nature, but maybe the, to save that proposition, you know, what St. Paul is saying about conduct is important because will I be prepared for that tumultuous time? Well, the only way to do so is to live in a manner worthy of that, you know, uh, so that when I'm there, I'm not caught off guard. Yeah. You know, I think, I think, yeah, you're totally right. And I, it, it's always a frustration when we start to look up, look at and think about end times because it can, and I think if I dare say, that's kind of what we're getting at with our second reading. That's like, we're, you're getting lost in the weeds. You're thinking about what's going to happen at the second coming and at the final judgment, but you don't know what you need to be doing right now. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's what I love about this last line from our second reading for, you know, what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. That's like right. he's, he's, he's echoing what Jesus himself said, you know, the prophets, you know, Moses, you know, the law do that. <laughs> then, then we can talk, but you need to sort your stuff out first. Right. Right. Uh, it's like, there's a whole lot of work that we need to do right now. Mm-hmm. That comes before, now we know not the hour nor the day, right? So yes, we need to be vigilant and to be prepared as best we can. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that we have to completely ignore our life, you know, yeah. anything. Right, right. Um, I mean, I think even the gospel touches on this with, you know, beware that your hearts do not become drowsy from carousing or drunkenness and the anxieties of daily life, you know, letting ourselves be caught by surprise, you know, so yeah. like there, there's I think that kind of what I was echoing with uh, the letter of the Thessalonians of not getting caught off guard. It's like, you know, reform your life now, like the end times should be. I mean, it's it's like the, the sort of Damocles. I don't like thinking about it that way, but it's kind of this sort of Damocles hanging over your head and at any moment could fall. It's like I don't want to think of the end times that way, but it kind of is a little bit like that. It's sort of this re- constant reminder that you should live in a manner where you can die at any moment, you know, mm-hmm. and and that's good. That's good. Um, I'm, I'm struggling to preach on this, though, still like I I, I want to take again. Let's just go 50,000 feet. Like, what are you thinking in terms of how do you, how would you preach a gospel, uh, a homily this Sunday? Like we've been talking about morality as getting ourselves ready for at any moment being caught up in the Lord. Um, we're talking about, you know, the, the coming of the kingdom of God, you know, waiting and joyful hope for that, not having anxiety. I don't know. Where's the homily? It all falls a little bit on platitudes for me. Yeah. Yeah. No, I get that. I see that. Um, I don't know. I would say maybe in some ways you have to preach. I mean, we are entering into a season, so... You know, I don't think that we can remove it completely from our preaching. Um, And you know how I like to have these kind of whatever. I don't even know what I'm trying to say here. But like this line from Jeremiah, uh, I will raise up for David a just shoot. You know, Mm. I like the symbol of the tree. I think it's so important to our own cosmology, to our religious understanding, to our worldwide understanding. It's such a great symbol. Uh, But what does it mean to 
raise up, adjust, shoot. And so I think that perhaps beginning, like, okay, how are we cultivating um, this line, this this thing that will become the tree on which the Savior hangs? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, that's still kind of abstract, but I think that I think there is this this um, yeah this opportunity to begin the conversation, and like we don't have to have it all figured out right now. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah here's a question for you, uh, and I think this does echo a question that we entertained last year uh, during Advent in this, these conversations: is uh, where is Christmas in all this? Like the Christmas story is nowhere to be found in our in our readings, you know. Um, and so it just, I think, makes a very clear point that Advent, at least the first half of Advent, maybe up until uh, Gaudete or Laetari Sunday, whichever one it is, um, up <laughs> until then is not really about the nativity, you know? And yeah. so there's like a clear demarcation point there. And so we don't have anything here about Emmanuel, you know? Um, eventually we'll get there with John the Baptist, I yeah. think, maybe the week after, but I don't know. Well, we'll have some Old Testament prophecies. I think that mm-hmm. this shoot this shoot of Jesse is that is that. Um, okay. There are some some prefigurations of that. Yeah. No, that's good. That's good. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, we have a few more minutes here. I, I'm still wrestling a little bit with it. I, 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 I like a couple of things that we haven't said yet that I just want to throw out there. The Alleluia verse, I think, has something good in it, which is that we want the Lord to show us his love. Like, mm-hmm. we haven't talked about love yet in these readings. It's the first time the word is there. And, like, what is that about? Show us your love and grant us your salvation. Is that... The incarnation, you know, showing us your love, um, you know, made man in in uh, in Bethlehem. Is that what's going on there? Is that where I can link these readings with, you know, the coming of the Lord in the incarnation? Um, there's that. And I'm also drawn, you know, in the first reading to Jerusalem shall be called the Lord our justice. I think it's a really cool line. I don't really know where to latch onto that a little bit, you know, how to, yeah. how to get that. Well, here's a thought. This just popped into my head while you were talking about the Alleluia verse. Show us, Lord, your love. Uh, that's very concrete in the yeah. person of Jesus. Right. A physical being that came down from heaven and became and took on flesh. Yeah. And think about all of the abstractness that we've just been talking about for the last 20 minutes. Yeah. And so I wonder if there's an opportunity there to say, okay, yeah, all of that stuff is important and we should talk about it, but there's a face that we need to be looking at. Hmm. You know, that's that's good. I, I think I know where you're going with this, especially with the apocalyptic language of Luke and all that end time stuff. It's like, wait a minute, uh, all of that language, it shouldn't really be scary per se, because we have a very concrete manifestation of the love of God in the exactly. person of Jesus, you know? And Jesus is warning us, but... He's not warning us because he's going to pull the rug out from beneath us. Yeah. We you think know? about it that way, though. <laughs> I, I think about it that way, that somehow it's like, I'm going to get it wrong. Uh, and yeah. I, I've been duped this whole time. And mm-hmm. I'm open to being led into deeper mysteries of of God's love for me. But this very concrete reality of this child born in Bethlehem, the love of God made flesh, like that's a really beautiful concrete reminder that all of this language of the end times it really shouldn't become this heady speculation. It's just, okay, yeah, I don't want to think about that as sort of like eventual punishment. I like to think about that as the consequences of me not living discipleship with you. You know, like that kind of chaos is what I don't want in my life because I want to just be near you all the time. And like that chaos, like the storm in in the Sea of Galilee, like you you have authority over all that, you know? Yeah. I don't know. What about, what about this? I don't know if this is... If I'm like dipping into heresy here, 
or what? <laughs> Don't have to tell me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so we always think about God sitting up in heaven, be like, those guys are really screwing up. I guess, you know, this is the meditation uh, from the exercises. Uh, we got to send Jesus down there to make it all right. But what if, and I, and I don't even really know how to formulate what I'm trying to say here, but what if this is not just uh, a, a Band-Aid? Okay, it's not that, right? It's not just a Band-Aid. Uh, but like, this is the plan. Like Jesus, God always wanted to share himself with us in this way. Yeah. Regardless of our sin. Yes. Regardless of our falling into into hell, into all of that jazz. Yeah. God always wanted to share himself with us. Yes, that's right. That's not heresy. Now, there, there are some church fathers who make it very clear that in spite of the fall, the son would have become man. Yeah. Maybe there's something there in a homily. Yeah. How do you see that tied with this? Just what you were, exactly just what you were just saying. Okay. The, with yeah. this apocalyptic um, going on, like we all were, we're always focused on how this is some sort of punishment. Mm. Instead, we look at it as the fulfillment. No, man, this is the full, exactly. This is what God has had in store for us this entire time. And the reason we're frightened by this is because of sin. <laughs> yeah. And we're not living rightfully, conducting our lives rightfully according to his, his work. Yeah. Yeah. Right. No, that's good. Second, that's good. second reading. Yeah. Good, man. Well, we'll leave it at that. And uh, yeah, we'll see how Advent develops. I think it could be a really good yeah. uh, launching point this week. Um, but yeah, we'll check in next week. All right, buddy. All right, dude. Peace.